The reasons to treat yourself to a frozen drink from Mickey D's go on and on and on. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. Your new flavor craze is here. From sweet and fruity frozen Fanta Wild Cherry to the classic cool of a frozen Coca-Cola to the tasty and tart frozen Fanta Blue Raspberry. Get any size for $1.59. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Young Pros Talk podcast. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About the F Word. But first, I would like to apologize about the audio quality. We're utilizing a conference call recorder as our guest Katarina was virtual in Waterloo as she studied for her master's. Also, our conversation got cut a bit short due to technical issues with this recorder. So we didn't really get a chance to finish everything we wanted to cover. But we did talk about a lot of things regarding the F word. So let's get to the episode and let's start talking about the F word. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Young Pros Talk podcast. My name is Redman, your host. My guest co-host for the day is Eugene. What's going on, Eugene? Hello, hello. And our special guest for the day is Katarina. What's going yeah, on? hi. Good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. And today's topic is the F word. We're going to talk about the F word. We're going to tell you what the F word is <laughs> yeah. for this long to figure it out. But before we tell you guys what the F word is, we're going to check in and see how everybody's doing. So let's start with Katarina as our guest. How's the week been for you? It's been all right. We have had a reading week here in Waterloo, so I haven't been out of the house much, um, but I have been studying a lot. So it's been tiring, even though it's supposed to be like a relaxing week. (laughs) How about you? Uh, Studying used to be like the most evil word to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I I didn't, I tried my best in university to not study or study (laughs) as least as possible, you know? So I was one of those guys that went to class. (laughs) So So I didn't have to study, but what, uh, what, what about you, Eugene? What's going on? Yeah. So I think last night I was actually at a Afro beats karaoke night. It was so dope. Um, it was just nice to be in an intimate setting where people are vibing to Afrobeats music. It was just a nice, mature crowd. Um, it's just a sick environment. Big shout out to Afrofusion Spot for hosting. They did a phenomenal job. Um, and then I think the weekend before that, I was actually in New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Bro. Nice, nice. <laughs> what was- haven't you been doing? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. I think the next, next year it's at... Um, March 5th weekend, but if you've never been to New Orleans, if you've never done Mardi Gras, that's definitely something that I would recommend. It's it's just, it's yeah. a fun experience, man. New Orleans uh, is amazing. I really want to go. It's, it's, it's awesome. Okay. Go Eugene. He seems to go every every year. Stop, <laughs> man. He's loving it. Last year, I went with uh, my friend for his bachelor party, and it was wild. And I said, you know what? I'm going to come out this year. Um, and I just went down, celebrated life, and it was just it was just a good time. Man. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. I wish I was there. All right, you guys ready yeah. to get into the, the to let the world know what the F word is? Let's do this. Sure, All right. Yeah. So today's topic is the F word, and the F word is 
for feminists. Yep. So Katarina is um, our feminist expert. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no expert here. No, no experts here. Uh, Katarina is um, well-versed in the ideology behind feminism. Is that better? Okay. Slightly better. Slightly better. Slightly better. Slightly better. And um, Eugene, part of the reason I have Eugene as a guest. Oh, wait, hold on. Before you label me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Make sure. Make sure, Eugene. Make sure. Let, let, let me take ownership of my label before, before you do that. I, I'll say that I'm in the process of learning more about the female experience um, and figuring out ways that I can support women. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so Katarina, why don't you? I'm gonna let you. You know, I'm gonna give you the chance to say to to own it. I'm not just gonna put labels on it. You you let me know what is the best terminology sure. to, to describe you as for this topic here. Okay. Um, I am a female living in contemporary Canada. Contemporary, i.e., 21st century Canada, and um, I just have ideas about how what the relationship between men and women should be like, as opposed to what it is. And I mean, it's been, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, it's opinions. It's been unequal, if that makes sense. There is in like vast inequality between how men are treated versus how women are treated, um, and. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go into like a definition of the terms at this point. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go into the definition. So we'll just say, what is, what is a feminist? Well, a feminist, I mean, is a person who adheres to and supports feminism. And feminism is a ideology, a political movement better. And it, promo- it, it supports and promotes and, dif- I mean, yeah, I guess it supports and promotes the equality between the sexes, the equality between men and women. I mean, there are many definitions about feminism, okay? I mean, but the the dictionaries themselves, um, if you boil down to what feminism is and what it's supposed to be at its very core is the belief that men and women are equal. Mm, okay, okay. So yeah, I think, and I think, sorry, that's the, one of the hesitations I think people have towards the whole being identified as a feminist because right. there's so many different definitions. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be defined something that's really I don't want to say undefined but has so many different definitions right so yeah that, that, that's the problem with I mean with feminism since we're talking about feminism but that's the problem with every political movement or ideology it usually depends on the experiences on the on the specific experiences of people that adhere to them and in this case uh, the experience of women are as many women as there are you know what I mean so they all believe or reflect themselves in feminism in their own specific way based on their experiences. But at its core, feminism is something which promotes the um, equality between the two sexes. So no matter how you um, see feminism, no matter how you use it, you should be aware about, of the core value of it. For sure. So I, I'm going to ask another question to open up the discussion that I think goes in with this uh, definition of feminism. Um, do you think a lot of people can be, and I would say maybe more so maybe men, maybe uncomfortable using the F word, feminism, feminist, uh, to, to 
even have a conversation about? I mean, like I said in the beginning, I'm no expert, but in any conversation I have participated in usually, and it's not just men, it's women as well, but usually men are the ones that kind of take a step back, almost like a reaction, almost like a, okay, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I should leave kind of thing. But again, that's just my experience and it doesn't encompass all the men on earth, obviously. Right. I think that that's the illusion that a lot of people um, have placed on the ideology behind feminism is that it's to exclude men or that they don't women who may who believe their themselves to be true to a feminist movement are against men for some reason. Yeah, exactly. It's been promoted. There's a certain militancy to it, right? Um because of okay. I don't have any feminist um books or anything about feminism, but as a woman myself, whenever I read something regarding feminism, any kind of book, or I see a talk or anything, the first thing I get is angry. Really? <laughs> yeah. The first thing I get is angry because I realize that what I've been thinking about my entire life has been twisted and warped into something that it should not have been. And at first I get angry with myself and then I get angry with the patriarchy. And because the patriarchy is mostly consisted of men, usually what feminism kind of at the first glance seems to be is man-hating, but it really is not. It's just the first reaction to learn we should be equal and we, should, we haven't been considered equal for a very, very long time. So I think that's where that's where we lose uh, focus. It's that it's definitely not man hating, but there are aggressive and angry feminists, and most often this aggression and anger is geared and targeted to the patriarchy. Yeah, and just to add just to add on to that, I think um, for men, or there's a good segment of men where when we're engaging with a feminist, our mm -hmm. default perception or feeling is that they're going to dehumanize us or attack us. Oh, very interesting you say that. And then on the second side of things, in terms of identifying as, identifying as a feminist, I think the challenge there is that because there's a lack of understanding of what the actual definition of feminine, feminism is, mm -hmm. um, men don't want to be labeled something that they aren't really sure what it means. Right. Yeah. So there's a level of uncomfortability. It's both in right. identifying yourself as a feminist and also engaging with people who you assume are coming to attack you. Right. Right. So I mean, I think I think, like you said, it's it's being considering yourself a feminist or um, respecting the feminist movement mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean it's men hating. Mm -hmm. But oh, I think no. it's obviously woman loving, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And so I think where the confliction is, since it's woman loving, mm -hmm. it's excluding the other side, mm -hmm. which is the men, you know? And I mean, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was ending my thought. No, I mean, woman loving wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's woman loving whatsoever. We just use the term feminine, feminism from feminine because. I mean, I often get this, I, I often get asked this question once I uh, explain to people what feminism is they often return and say, okay, but why not humanism? Why don't you guys use the term humanism if it's about equality of human beings? And my answer to that is that we're not there yet. 
we ha we haven't had the time to literally consider and establish that women are humans. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's why the term as it is now should stay as it is feminine because it's a turn to looking at women and establishing them as human beings, as subjects and not as objects. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of like point that out there. <laughs> okay, okay. So, um, so you do, you read about a lot of different feminist ideologies, different books. Are there any authors or any, anybody you've read or any ideas that you've come to be inspired, inspired by and gravitated towards those ideologies? There are so, so many. It's such a good question. Um, a quick internet search will help everyone in this, in this regard. And then after you find a few people, then they provide a bibliography of their own. So you just, there's like a chain of knowledge there. But I mean, if I had like, if I had to pick like my top three, as it were, um, it would certainly be, um, okay. So there's a writer from Nigeria called, uh, named, sorry, Kimamada Ngozi Adichie. She's <laughs> yes. Be feminist? Book. Yep, we should all be feminists. Yeah. So that was actually adapted from her TEDx talk in uh, 2012. You should really check it out if you haven't, because it's like it's uh, as a talk, it's like easier to digest than reading it because it's like you're hearing and you're listening to her. So Eugene, you've read this book. Yeah. So I haven't had the chance to read this book. This is my first time hearing about the book. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on the book? You know. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, the feeling that I got from it was, it was a mind shift in the sense that, especially from a male perspective, mm -hmm. the idea that we could all be feminists, it was sort of an inclusive kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But from reading that book, the, the energy that I felt, especially that author being African, and I'm also West African as well, mm -hmm. was the importance, what I got from it specifically as a black man was the importance of us black men supporting our black queens mm -hmm. um and a lot of the different issues that black females experience but just women experience in general it sort of elevated my consciousness and made me a lot more mindful of the things that are going on with um women in general mm -hmm. and black women specifically um and for me that was the first feminist book that i read mm -hmm. so that was sort of initial trigger for me to read other fem feminist books as well so after you read that book Right. After you both read that book, mm -hmm. was there, did you get a more sh stronger sense of the concept of what it truly meant to be a feminist and to support feminist movements and what it, you know, so like you said, supporting women, you know, and there are many things that as men, you and I, mm -hmm. we will never understand that women go through mm -hmm. because we don't have those same experiences. Exactly. Right. And we, we don't know what those experiences usually are unless women tell us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how did she say in the book, like, what was a way to, like, achieve that where you're supporting the women more and being supportive of their cause, their ideas, and bringing them to, the, yeah, you're equal. You are equal. And you can do the same things men can do. So. Well, I mean, to me, she was one of... Um... One of the most important voices out there that kind of went back to the core um, definition of feminism. She included um, the male experience because we'll usually forget is when you talk about feminism, you do talk about um, 
bettering the lives of both men and women. It's not just about bettering the lives of women, but it's also about bettering the lives of men. We, we, we were supposed to be trying to create a society where both of us are subjects, that not one is subject and the other is object. And I think that um, Adichie really, really um, nailed this point down in, in how she brought into the conversation the uh, I mean the the men I mean the men of her experience but her experience and the way she worded it she made it universal it is universal even though it has its specific um, connotations as it were. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And, and I think there was something powerful in her naming the book the way she did. Yeah, it highlighted the importance that we all have a shared responsibility in elevating women. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that was very powerful, and, and it resonated. Um, resonated with myself as well okay. yeah. and i think a lot of that goes with the fact that there's a lack of women in like science technology engineering and math you know yeah. and how, how do you support that how can we support that because there shouldn't be a, such a discrepancy um and the amount of women that are in these tech fields because uh and every time i, I don't it's you're always when you see these things right you're always like why why is there <laughs> such a discrepancy and and the amount of women, because I don't think women can't there do math, I, you know, or yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. No worries. <laughs> um, that's never happened on a podcast recording before. So this is everything. <laughs> everything everything's the first today. Um. So yeah, I, I think that um. I completely lost my train of thought. So let me just go into my next question. Wait, did you hang up? I, yeah, I got this. Damn, son. <laughs> yeah. um, Actually, if I were to add two more names to that list oh, okay. of people that could possibly, uh, um, you know, search up and then continue on, uh, would definitely be okay. Actually, this next um, person would might help you, Redmond, for your uh, sex talk podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Killing two birds with one stone. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it could, you could check it out if you if you need it. But I, I, once you were talking about that, the, your idea before, I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is very interesting how it kind of coincided. Great. I'm um, ready to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to hear now. So wow. it's actually, there's a book called Come As You Are, the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. <laughs> oh, By, so wait a minute, I just have to ask, <laughs> how is cum spelled? <laughs> it's like the, the Nirvana lyric, it's C-O-M-E. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you said you had another author though as well. That was, uh, that's her book. So the author is actually Dr. Emily Nagoski and she, she does a really good job of um, demystifying the female body and kind of reasserting that, you know, it's more complicated than men or people have thought that it has been up until now. One recalls the hysteria, um, psychological ideal in, um, what was it, like 19th century, 18th century England or whatever. And people, men, women used to be beaten with rods because if they had, oh, it was just, it was awful. Just, just search up the word hysteria in the history of it and you'll, you'll get my meaning. It's, it's awful. Anyways, so I feel like this book, it comes and kind of just, you know, women are humans. They're, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Everything's okay. No one's dirty or whatever. Right, right. Thank you. Oh, when you say demystifying the body, 
female body? What what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, my experience until now has been reading about male authors who talk about how the female body is incomplete. Is It's an incomplete male body. It's mm-hmm. cold or it's too wet. Um, it's, I don't know, it's like, what? who was it? I think Aristotle said that, I mean, men used to believe that the, the uterus would walk around the body and that would cause uh, an ailment for the woman and she would, would have to be sexually penetrated in order for that to be cured wow i mean this and guys i'm I'm telling you this is the actual science science in the past yeah i <laughs> i i don't want to deviate too much from the feminist topic but on that note when i was doing because i'm reading a lot of books about sex obviously and i always look at authors you got to have some credibility you got to have an md or a phd yeah I'm not looking for an opinion piece. I want to yes. know. Yeah, but you need you need the science. <laughs> I need the, you need the science, right? Statistics over opinions. Exactly. And it's okay if you put the opinion to like a lot what a lot of people do is they have an argument yeah. and they do research to prove their argument for the most part. So one person I read, um even though she's not an MD, um her name is Mary Roach. Mm-hmm. And what she did, she wrote a book called Bonk which was the science and coupling of sex. And I learned so much. Um, I don't know if it was that book exactly. I've read a lot of books about sex. But if you read historically, when, it, when, when, when different societies, whether it was the church or the government or whatever form of organizational you know, structure was there at that time, in that era, the, the, the science behind women and sexuality is ridiculous. <laughs> Like they literally used to like, they literally used to say that women are not supposed to have any type of sexual urges. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. No, they're not. And then the cure for this was literally, and this is going to sound crazy, Mm -hmm. and I might even take this out the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The cure was to remove the woman's clitoris. Oh yeah, that's, that's still a practice in many countries. And they would do this. And this is the thing. And this was like, it's it's crazy when you hear these things. And it's like, what? Where do you come up with these concepts? And, well, and- that's, see, that's why we don't deviate from feminism, from the feminist talk, because they deviate from the fact that women are considered lower as beings, like inferior to men. I mean, we live in so many societies, ancient, there are ancient societies where women, their only purpose was to, to, so bear the children, take care of them, keep the house clean. While the men, it was set up by men, could do whatever they wanted. They do whatever they wanted, all the time, anytime. Right. Well, yeah. There's there's variance to 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 what you said, but there's truth to everything you said. Um, it wasn't that men were able to do anything they wanted. They still had to abide by their leader, whether it was a monarch, whether it was an oligarchy or a democracy or whatever. If we're talking, like I'm talking, let's just say Greece for now, like ancient Greece, okay? Men had it difficult too, but the thing, because they had to go to war. And guys, war was a common thing in, in, in ancient times. Like I'm sure you know. Yeah. So the fact of the matter is, however, is that men were allowed to develop their personality within their community whereas women were not Mm, so as social beings because we're not just our biology but women were 
rendered just their biology, whereas men were entities aside or even more so than their biology as they are, as you are, of course you are. And you had the chance to kind of develop yourself that way. But, you know, like I said, women didn't have that chance and women didn't have that chance for a very, very long time. And that's not just in ancient Greece. And it was, it was like, I mean, we got the vote in like 1952. It's not that long ago, if you really think about it. Sure. What does the vote signify? It signifies that the women have a say in how they are governed. Right. We just thought, uh, just to add on to the whole, I guess, talk of um, the female body, I think we need to really move away from or shift away from judging or valuing the woman based off of the complexion of her body and skin set. Skin mm-hmm towards judging the woman based off of the complexion of her character and mindset. Mm. So I'll say that again, move away from judging a woman based off of the complexion of her body mm-hmm. and towards judging her based off of the complexion of her character and mindset. And I think once we do that, I think it gives them a fair opportunity to judge them for who they are and not, and not sexualize them. Okay. Well, you guys give great insight and, and, so I'm going to skip this question, but I'm just going to put it out there. I think we've already addressed that, yes, a man can also be considered a feminist okay? Mm-hmm. as well. Okay. So what I want to ask you, Katerina, yeah. um, is about different types of fem- feminists. Are, right. are there different kinds of feminists? That's a very broad question, and I'm glad you ask it. Um, there, I mean, the simple answer is yes. <laughs> there are different feminists. There are different aspects of feminism, and there are too numerous to talk about right now. But I mean, even taking okay, let's say even taking the two authors that I mentioned, Adichie and Nagoski. Okay, they both are talking about feminism, but in their own ways. That in itself provides you with two aspects, two different aspects of feminism. It's like what I said in the beginning. Um, every person is a different feminist, but everyone still is a feminist. Right. If that, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. Everybody is a different feminist, but everyone is a fem- Like, even though they have different ideologies, they still are feminists and in the core of the whole, of the ideology, correct? Yeah, yeah. Was that the nature of your question, though? Um, yes, because I understand... Um, Oh, my computer just did it just did, out. Or? It just uh, sorry. One moment, please. Sure. My computer went it went to sleep for a moment. <laughs> we were having such a good conversation. It was like let me cut all of that off for a moment. <laughs> uh, um. So yeah, I just wondered if there were different types of uh, feminists. Yes. What are those different types of femi- feminists? Um. And what type of feminist would you yourself? You know, what would you consider yourself to be as yeah. far ideology behind the term feminist well i guess to answer your third question um i would say that i'm uh, i am a feminist who has read about the origins of women and cannot trust the validity of that story so essentially um i am a feminist because i do believe in the equality of the sexes and personally i'm searching for the Kind of, kind of in a sense of that I'm trying to base my argument, essentially, like my belief that men and women are equal. I'm trying to base that somewhere to like to proof, a tangible proof. So because due to my profession, 
I'm, I'm reverting back to the classics and kind of trying to find it there. So I guess in a title, you would say that I'm a classic feminist, like a classics feminist, Okay. if, if that answers your question. Well, because you have, I, I would say you have a knowledge that not even the average person has. You know. That's one of the banes of classics. Um, it's, it, I mean, the, the term itself, the way it was constructed, is was for elite men. Um, so, mm-hmm. and not a lot of people had access to the knowledge that these elite class, like, class people had to, you know. But yeah, I do have access. To I just that. thought and I'm trying to like put everything, everyone else in it to, to to kind of like see it as well as like have the way I do. So I, I just thought of another question because it just came to my head. I've heard this terminology before, and I, I, I guess this, this is, I think this is a perfect time to ask this question. The term radical feminist, what exactly does the term radical feminist mean? To be completely honest with you, I'm not really sure. Um, I have not come upon that term very frequently. Um, I mean, a quick search, if I can cheat, is that it's a radical feminism is a perspective within feminism that calls for a radical reordering of society in which male supremacy is eliminated in all social and economic contexts. So radical feminists view society as fundamentally a patriarchy in which men dominate and oppress women and seek to abolish the patriarchy. Do you guys believe in that? I'm gonna just switch the question back to you. Too much wine to internalize. <laughs> yeah, too much what, wine to internalize that. What that men or yeah. <laughs> yeah, that I I probably should have looked that up before. I mean, radical feminism kind of stands for the fact that we should men are not supposed to be in power positions. Only women are supposed to be in power power positions. Problem. So the way so, I'm looking at it, it's it's a bit problematic in and of itself yeah, because yeah, it's kind yeah. of a reverse patriarchy being a patriarchy that. I, I don't know the history of this term. Um, I personally don't adhere to it, but I understand where it's coming from in the sense that women were not allowed and still are not allowed anything. So you kind of get a reactionary ideology that says, okay, you know what? We're going to push for all women then. If, you know, one woman can go there or the other woman can go there. Just, I understand where it might be coming from is what I'm saying. Just to add to that, actually, one of my friends, Kwame, shared, shared this with me. Um, he said it. In my efforts to support women and help advance women and empower women and elevate women, you shouldn't bring down men. Mm. And no. So that's the issue that I have with this idea of radical, radical feminism, feminism is that the idea here isn't to take from men or the idea here isn't to bring down men. It's solely to advance men, advance women, sorry, to the levels where they're equal towards men. Um, it's not about bringing men down. So I have an issue with that. No, but many men may view that, even though we're not talking about radical feminism. Keep in mind. Can I say that again? Many, many men may view that that's what's happening, even when you're just talking about feminism and not radical feminism. Men will take it. What she's saying is men will take it as women. Any any feminism is radical to them. Yeah, for sure. You mean men who lack a social conscience? That's most men. And I'm not... I'm not... You know what I mean, you guys. Come on. Like, the, yeah. the majority of the male opinion then is that. Yeah. And I think wait, 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 I think on, I, on, I, I have to out. say Tommy said most men lack a social conscience. Is that what you're saying? 
lack of social conscience towards women, not a social conscience whatsoever, because they they are conscious of their society because they build it, they organize it, they act within it, they develop within it. Think think about how men are raised as far as the ideologies behind how they're supposed to treat women Mm -hmm. or what women mean to them. You know what I mean? Like they're not conscious of the the needs of women to also their characters, their personalities to also develop to participate. Not conscious of that. A lot of that is, and we're gonna we're gonna get into the article you wrote, Sluts and Prudes. Mm. Um, I, I think the um, damn, I lost my thought actually. Some <laughs> No, no wine. No. Some white wine, red no, wine. No wine, no wine. I'm good. Um, uh, but it, it's a lot to do with, and I'm gonna walk talk in circles till my thought comes back. Um, mm. it, so there's there's a concept of that's what i was going to say where where looking historical how um women were looked at as far as uh marriage right there's a reason that the woman would take the man's last name and primarily it was because the woman was considered to be property of the man Mm. right she belonged to the man she herself it seems could not have her own identity Mm. Yeah. No. So, and we're going to get into sluts and prudes, which is a great article that you wrote that that I absolutely love that talks about sluts and prudes. But I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask you before we get into the article, mm-hmm. um, what what motivated you? What um inspired you to to even write it in the first place? Um, my own experience and what I've seen other people go through. Um. I guess, yeah, in a nutshell, is that. Um, And like I said earlier, whenever I read a feminist piece, the first thing I get is angry. And I was, when I was writing that article, I was in an an odd period of my life. And I was more, I mean, I guess you could say prone and more susceptible to anger more so than not. I don't know if you found the piece angry, but it certainly came from a place of being fed up with what we're what we're told i i didn't find the piece angry uh eugene read it as well i don't think he found the piece angry Mm -hmm. i found it very insightful you know and it came across everyday social tropes that that you know you think about what you don't really think about until somebody has written about it and you're like oh man that's true and this is coming from a man you know and you're reading this and you're right what what is a casual encounter mm-hmm. you know what is a non-casual encounter you know mm-hmm. what what does that mean you mean when it relates to sex or when it when it relates to sex okay. right because is is a casual encounter um is it and i guess we'll just start getting into the article now mm-hmm. um what would people say counts as a casual encounter because a, a, a slut, by definition, so the article is Sluts and Prudes, mm-hmm. um, and a slut is defined by someone who has a lot of sexual, casual sexual partners, mm-hmm. right? Well, apparently that means that a woman is, is, so there's many things, there's many levels to that, right? One is... Does a woman val does a woman's value diminish because maybe she has a, a, a 
Uh, oh man. Like several, several sexual encounters. And that's, that's what the term, that's what the title, uh, the insult rather, seems right. to show. You're a slut if you have several sexual, casual sexual encounters. Now, what is several? So is it two or more? I mean, they never say. First of all, and second of all, the casualness of it is the fact that it's out of wedlock, which right. means right. that a woman, the woman who participates in these several sexual casual encounters is not married and does not belong to one man. And of course, we cannot have that. So we have to demean her, dehumanize her and make her dirty. Also, I mean, the, sorry, go ahead. Well, I think just... When you talk about a woman's value, I think a woman has control over her value. Mm -hmm. um, I think where a man comes into play is his perceived value of her. Because um, at the end of the day, so long as women focus on themselves, so long as women build themselves up, they exude a level of beauty or a level of value that men can sense. Right. right. Um, now, when it comes to like how much partners that they have, I don't think that becomes too important until they actually have conversations with um, the man that they're in a relationship with. Um, but prior to that, they have full control over what their value is. So Are you saying that they should have control or that they do have control right now? I, I think they do have control over their value, but when it comes to their perceived value, um, I think I was reading your article as well, and there's things like how a woman dresses, mm -hmm. which they have influence over, um, but they don't have control over how a man would perceive them, mm. if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, I see what you mean. And just to add on to that, I think how a woman dresses, I think I was reading your article as well, and how a woman dresses, there's a very important thought that I, I have with regards to that. Um, I think women, they, they, they don't have control over how a man approaches them, but they do have influence over how a man approaches them. I think based off of how a woman dresses, a man will approach them in a specific way. For instance, usually a man has two intentions when they're approaching women. It's to either have sexual relations with them or it's to pursue a relationship with them. And I think if a woman is- Can be friends? You can be friends. <laughs> that's, okay, that's a little, that's a, well, well said, well said, well said. Go ahead. <laughs> so, no, I like this, it's dialogue, right? You challenge my thinking, I grow from that. So let's say there's three options. But um, I think based off of how a woman dresses, as an example, right, um, at a subconscious level, if, like, let's say she's dressed in a provocative way or whatnot, subconsciously a man would, would, would want to pursue her for sexual relations. Mm -hmm. I think if she's dressed in a way where... Um, I'll be what do you mean by provocative? Sorry. I think there's, there's, there's some men who feel as though, like, when a woman's, I guess, has less clothes on. It's more exposed. Yes, it's more exposed. That okay. activates their intentions to want to pursue them for sexual reasons. But when they're dressed in a way where they look like they're more so... Um, covered up. I, I won't say covered up, but they, they look like they're... I don't want to say you have to be careful here. <laughs> but, no, basically, basically, what I'm getting at is that um, a man will approach her usually in two ways. It's, it's to, again... It's to pursue her for sexual reasons or it's to pursue her to for relationship purposes. And it's, she's dressed in a way that, you know, she seems like she's respecting of herself and values herself or whatnot. Um, he'll approach in that way. But if she's dressed in a way where she doesn't seem like she values herself or whatnot, may, they may approach her in ways where it's like, okay, 
um, I want to fulfill my need, my biological need for sex or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my- I see. I see what you mean. My my issue with that is the fact that men are not told to control their urges. They are told that you know you can act on them. If you see someone wearing a miniskirt, well, you know she's open for business, so go ahead. That's my issue with that. But whereas when the woman is wearing a miniskirt, she's probably not. She most of often is wearing it in order to attract other men, but it's not always and only the case. She might be wearing it because she thinks she looks pretty in that. So she might be wearing it to tell herself that, you know, no, oh, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm, it's fine. It's okay. And then the other, the other factor to what you said is that when the men get, you know, shut down, they get angry and aggressive and then usually that is when they start saying you know you know you're a slut if you're not dressing that way you're not allowing you to come then why the heck did you dress that way it's a reaction and a negative reaction to what a female chose to do i.e wear a miniskirt and go to a bar for sure and again i I, and just to clarify what i had said is that um i I don't think a woman has control over how a man approaches her but Mm -hmm. she have influence of how he approaches her and i think wearing a, uh, a miniskirt for instance it, she has full rights obviously to do so she could be doing it for herself but there are some men who will look at that and be like you know what this has activated my 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 drive to want to pursue a sexual exactly. with her but i think the whole idea behind feminism right is she should also be able to wear that miniskirt right mm-hmm. so she thinks she looks pretty without Repercussions. Yes, without having any repercussions from a man. A man I, I think men are going to approach women. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's fine. But I think that that shouldn't dictate how they interact with the woman. Just because mm-hmm. she's dressed and she may be showing more um, of her body mm-hmm. than, than if she wore jeans or something. Again, mm-hmm. and, and I, I did revert to this as a subconscious thing in the sense that mm-hmm. if somebody walks right now, if a woman walks right now and she's like topless, right? <laughs> you see, you see your dad. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. You know, this is just, this is just an example, extreme example. But she does have influence how over how you now view her, perceive her, and how you will approach her going forward. Your intentions won't be okay. You know what? I want to pursue a committed relationship with her. You have other intentions. I might be a nudist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I can kind of see. You have, I can I can kind of see where you like. I can I definitely see what you're saying. Again, she has control over. Sorry, she has influence over how you would approach her. She doesn't have control, but she has influence based on how she dresses. That's my opinion. I I um. I forgot what I was about. <laughs> you want some more wine? No, I haven't had any wine, by the way, people. <laughs> I haven't had any wine. Um, I, I no, I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Like, but I, I think that what a lot of women are saying are, are okay. Basically, regardless of the situation, right? Yeah. Whether I wear a miniskirt or if a woman, um, comes around topless, have self control, have respect, have decency. You know, and. Yeah. And and just re- you know respect that respect that woman as a person because at the end of the day she still is as we I think we kind of touched it a little bit she still is human mm-hmm. <laughs> still is a person mm-hmm. 
You know, whether or not she wears that mini skirt or she wears that whatever the clothing attire may be, you know, she still has the right to be respected by men. 100%. You know, and I think that's where the lot of, that's what a lot of women, a lot of feminists are saying, hey, this is what it is. You know, these are the situations and we want to be respected. We want to be equal and uh, uh, respect to a woman, regardless of what she's wearing, is that basic, you know, basic human right. Mm-hmm. So it is, yeah. when you talk about respect, um, somebody who's respectful, it's a, it's a character trait. Mm-hmm. Now for, I guess, within the context of our conversation, for the, the men out there who have a deficiency in moral conscience and character, <laughs> That's where there's an issue. Those are the ones who are disrespecting women, right? So I guess here's the question that I, I, I open up to you guys to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, you as well, Katerina. Mm-hmm. How do we educate not just women, but men as well on these proper interactions? Well, again, your, your question is very, like, multi-layered right now (laughs) there is no clear-cut answer whatsoever to be perfectly honest with you we're not there yet Mm. you know what i mean anything we tell our children now is going to be lacking because when they do grow up the reality will not reflect what we taught them right right unfortunately so now we're trying to create a society that you know can boast that it has both men and women and you know they're equal you can go to either for anything you need they can help you but i guess i don't know i guess i would say is self discipline um mm-hmm. discipline is very very important and it is the mastery of the mind over the body and the sentiment and the emotion and that's what you know the ancient greek philosophers were always talking about every single thing they wrote would always go back to you know logos Logiki, um, logic is above all and everything because logic perceives and understands its own condition, whereas right. instinct, body, i.e. body and emotion, i.e. you know your blood, your hot-blooded person, does not. You need them, but they need to be controlled just like you have to control your anger if you have anger management issues. I think when it comes to, and, and well said there, I think when it comes to the, the, the topic of respect, um, I think at the end of the day, the respect you have for women is a reflection of the respect you have for yourself. And the value you have for women is a reflection of the value you have for yourself. So I think as men, it, it's, it's, it's incumbent on us to really work on ourselves. Mm-hmm to add value to ourselves, mm-hmm. to respect ourselves, because that will be a reflection of how we treat women at the end of the day. <clears throat> yeah, you make a really good, you really made a really good point with that. Um, I was going to say, I can see that there's definitely some truth in, in that, and, and that, um, you know, and, but I, I did. But then I, the question I, becomes, what is respect to yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah, which is this, which is why I, I think Katarina was saying it's so multi-layered, right? Because mm-hmm. of the fact that just just culturally, people can have many different um, ideologies and values and beliefs, right? When it comes to respect, I think it comes down to human decency. It's it's well, treat uh, others the way you would want to be treated, it's, right? From that, it's from that, from kindness, the base, selflessness. If you don't have those character traits, you have a deficiency in character, right? You have a deficiency in moral moral conscience. You should know how to treat people with respect. Excuse if me. you don't, 
that's where the issues arise, right? Excuse me. Wow. Sorry. No more wine or <laughs> this guy is trying to give me wine. Um, yeah. So, so I, I think that it depends on because um, um, a lot of it maybe maybe not the respect thing, right? But but what do you mean by that? Um, uh, gosh, respect is important, man. Respect is definitely very important, and it's also how how the person values themselves, right? Because we don't know, but I think there's deeper than that, right? Because I think respect, a lot of it comes from personality and mentality, right? Are you a person who's narcissistic Mm -hmm. that believes you deserve everything you want? Mm -hmm. Because that's gonna affect how you interact with people, for sure, right? So you're probably going to have a different level of respect how you treat people if you're that individual who thinks I'm the I'm the greatest thing mm-hmm. since peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Okay? Is narcissism good? No, I I think that nar- I think that a person's personality how they perceive themselves affects how they interact with other people. Correct. Right? If you see yourself as the greatest thing since peanut butter and jelly, on Wonder Bread, Wrong. you know, white you, bread or brown bread or whole wheat. White bread. White bread. I heard it's not white bread isn't good for you. Well, we already know white bread isn't good for you. So you know, but I digress. Um, all right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, all of these, everything like narcissism and respect, these are all like character, like character uh, nourished. I mean, you do have a disposition. However, your disposition as a human being is to satisfy your ego because your ego, if you satisfy it, you, you know what I mean? Right. So this is, this is where we, we, where we miss and where we kind of like get the wrong idea to satisfy your ego is one thing. And then to, you know, step on other people's egos is another, but usually in order to survive, you have to step on other people's egos. Right. And, and it's very true, and it's, it's, it shouldn't, you look in a world where you shouldn't have to that. And I see why Katarina says there's so many levels to this, right? Yeah. Because we're, well, us three is having this conversation, but who else is having this conversation? Yeah. Right? Who, who else is talking about it? And how do you get everybody involved? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just, it, it, it can start with us, right? We can definitely make the changes, but are we enough, us three, to to change the world that much, to change people's thoughts that much, to where we can make it happen, I, I think. Well, I mean, it be, it always begins with a single unit, and then that single unit has its own outer unit, and then each of those has its own outer, and then it kind of like spreads almost like a virus to use for I mean for a better for lesser use, but yeah, that's that's what I think it boils down to, and I'm pretty sure we're not the only ones here because there are great thinkers and there are great authors out there who have been reading and writing about this stuff the issue however is and it becomes a problem when in order to gain the attention usually something radical has to happen and by radical i mean something that is too soon or too uncomfortable in a sense do you know what I mean? And that kind of that kind of um, gains a reaction that you don't want, a, a negative reaction to it, like think, radical feminism or like burning our bras or whatever that used to be an issue. Mm-hmm. Like people didn't didn't like it because I mean women were not supposed to be free that way. They were not supposed to walk into a bar topless, even though a man could. Right. 
Fair points, fair point. So I, I want to try to go back to sluts and prudes for a moment. I know, um, Eugene, I, don't, I think I, when you were reading it, rereading it earlier, were you, you were writing some questions down or some points that you wanted to? Yeah, I think it was, it was more so alluding to the whole idea of how, how a woman dresses and the effect mm -hmm. that has on men, and I think we already addressed that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I found that, that specific part very right, interesting. Because there's the, the other end that we haven't touched on is the prude portion, okay. right? Mm -hmm. Which are women, and I think you have described there, women who are, don't dress you know, exposing as much. Mm -hmm. And and um, there's a point where I looked at this in the article and I've seen it. You see it in the movies too, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, you'll see women say, girl, how are you? I just watched a girl's trip with my, um, with my, with my girlfriend. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where the girls are all like, don't ruin it for me. I haven't watched it. <laughs> I cannot find it. Yeah, it's, it's it's spoiler alert. Fine, Eugene, spoiler fine. alert. I, I I think this. I'll close my ears. No, this 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 is a scene from the trailer though. So you see it in the trailer. So <laughs> don't away anything. But there's a scene where she's dressed a certain way, a little bit more conservative, and they're all like, "Girl, what are you wearing? Mm. What are you doing? What's going on? What are you gonna catch in that a coat? Mm. You know what mm. I mean? They're making all these jokes, and then they give her this dress that's much more exposing." You know, and I think that concept is a great example coming from this, the prude thing, the sluts and prudes example, um, because we use that in our everyday society. We say that if a woman dresses more conservative, she won't be able to get something like a man because, you know, of course you need that, apparently, you know, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Question. Go ahead. If, if men dress more exposed... What influence would that have over women? I think that we're used to it, though. Really? I think it wouldn't. I think that it's already been socially acceptable for men to run around topless. To so where when, when women place place less value on us, the same way we place, or men subconsciously place less value on women if they dress more exposed. Before I answer, I'd like to just make clear that a prude is not someone who dresses necessarily prudish or conservatively it's someone who is or claims to be easily shocked by matters relating to sex or nudity which kind of um, guides her to um, dress conservatively just to just to point that out there And that would be where our conversation got cut short. Unfortunately, I would like to thank Eugene and Katerina for joining us. Eugene with the great co-hosting duties and Katerina as our featured guest. Just a little bit of background about Katerina. She is a classical philologist, which means that she studies ancient Greek and Latin text. She received her BA from the Aristotle University of Thessaloniki in Greece and her first MA from Durham University in the UK. She now studies in Canada, where she is completing her second master's at the University of Waterloo and will shortly be entering into her PhD program in classics at the University of Toronto. She likes to say she is a feminist by common sense, a nerd by nature, and a book lover by circumstance. You can find all of her rants and all of her Greek and Roman things on her Instagram, which is classicscat, which is C-L-A-S-S-I-C-S-K-A-T. And on Tumblr, you can follow her at Nakaya Cat, which is N-E-K-Y-I-A-K-A-T. And if you would like to get in touch with us here at the podcast, 
You can check out our website at youngprostalk.com. You can like us on Facebook, Young Pros Talk, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Young Pros Talk. Thanks for listening, everybody. The music featured in today's podcast episode is So Thick by Preto Shines. You can listen to this song and more music by this artist at freemusicarchive.org. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.